Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, with Section 4, The Unreality of Sin. We're also mindful of our review lesson today. In review six, where each idea is surrounded with the idea, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Today we're reviewing lesson 195, Love is the way I walk in gratitude. Love is the way I walk in gratitude. And by way of opening this morning, I'd just love to share this little poem from Shams Tabrizi. Uh, predominantly because it clarifies uh, the transformation that takes place over time. It goes like this. The past is an interpretation. The future is an illusion. The world does not move through time as if it were a straight line proceeding from the past to the future. Instead, Time moves through and within us in endless spirals. Eternity does not mean infinite time, but simply timelessness. If you want to experience eternal illumination, put the past and the future out of your mind and remain within the present moment. That moment of love is the way I walk in gratitude. Amen. That's fine. That was yeah, it was. <laughs> thank you, Lori. Absolutely. Thank you, Lori. That's great. Yeah. That was a gift to me, too. Okay, my friends. Here's our reading list. We have Lee, Lemoyne, Yvonne, Fran, Robin Marie, Lana, Judy, and Jessica. And we're joined in listening this morning by Ida and Patricia and Harrison. Has anyone else joined the call uh, that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? For what it's worth, I think it's Lemoyne and then Lee this morning. Oh, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Switch over, change over. Um, Mike is here. I can read. I'm here with uh, Lisa and with um, Roz. Well, good morning, all. Thank yeah, you. Lori, good morning. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah, Judy? Excuse me. Judy's going to yeah. go to Lipsy. Thank you. You're going to go to Lipsy. Okay. Okay. So here we go in Chapter 19, Beyond the Body. Section 4, The Unreality of Sin. 25. 
The attraction of guilt is found in sin, not error. Sin will be repeated because of this attraction. Fear can become so acute that the sin is denied the acting out, but while the guilt remains attractive, the mind will suffer and not let go of the idea of sin. For guilt still calls to it, and the mind hears it and yearns for it, making itself a willing captive to its sick appeal. Sin is an idea of evil that cannot be corrected and will be forever desirable. As an essential part of what the ego thinks you are, you will always want it, and only an avenger with a mind unlike your own could stamp it out through fear. Halloween. Okay, chapter 19, Beyond the Body, section 4, The Unreality of Sin. The attraction of guilt is found in sin, not error. Sin will be repeated because of this attraction. Fear can become so acute that the sin is denied the acting out, but while the guilt remains attractive, the mind will suffer and not let go of the idea of sin. For guilt still calls to it, and the mind hears it and yearns for it, making itself a willing captive to its thick appeal. Sin is an idea of evil that cannot be corrected and will be forever desirable. As an essential part of what the ego thinks you are, you will always want it. And only an avenger with a mind unlike your own could stamp it out through fear. The ego does not think it possible that love not fear, is really called upon by sin and always answered. For the ego brings sin to fear, demanding punishment. Yet punishment is but another form of guilt's protection, for what is deserving punishment must have been really done. Punishment is always the great preserver of sin, treating it with respect and honoring its enormity. What must be punished must be true. And what is true must be eternal and will be repeated endlessly. For what you think is real, you want and will not let go. An error, on the other hand, is not attractive. What you see clearly is a mistake. You want corrected. Thank you, Lemoyne and Lee. The ego does not think it possible that love, not fear, is really called upon by sin and always answers. For the ego brings sin to fear, demanding punishment. Yet punishment is but another form of guilt's protection. For what is deserving punishment must have been really done. Punishment is always the great preserver of sin, treating it with respect and honoring its enormity. What must be punished must be true, and what is true must be eternal, 
and will be repeated endlessly. For what you think is real, you want and will not let it go. And error, on the other hand, is not attractive. What you see clearly as a mistake, you want corrected. 27. Sometimes a sin can be repeated over and over with obviously distressing results, but without the loss of its appeal. And suddenly you change its status from a sin to a mistake. Now you will not repeat it. You will merely stop and let it go unless the guilt remains. For then you will but change the form of sin, granting that it was an error, but keeping it uncorrectable. This is not really a change in your perception, for it is sin that calls for punishment, not error. Holy Spirit cannot punish sin. Mistakes he recognizes and would correct them all as God entrusted him to do. But sin he knows not, nor can he recognize mistakes which cannot be corrected. For a mistake which cannot be corrected is meaningless to him. Thank you, Lee. Hand of on. Thank you, Laurie. Sometimes a sin can be repeated over and over with obviously distressing results, but without the loss of its appeal. And suddenly you change its status from a sin to a mistake. Now you will not repeat it. You will merely stop and let it go unless the guilt remains. For then you will, you, for then you will but change the form of the sin, granting, <coughs> excuse me, granting that it was an error by keeping it uncorrectable. This is not really a change in your perception, for it is sin that calls for punishment, not error. The Holy Spirit cannot punish sin. Mistakes he recognizes and would correct them, would correct them all as God entrusted him to do. But sin he knows not, nor can he recognize mistakes which cannot be corrected. For a mistake which cannot be corrected is meaningless to him. Mistakes are for correction, and they call for nothing else. What calls for punishment must call for nothing. Every mistake must be a call for love. What, then, is sin? What could it be but a mistake that you would keep hidden, a call for help that you would keep unheard and thus unanswered? In time... The Holy Spirit clearly sees the Son of God can make mistakes. On this, you share his vision. Yet you do not share his recognition of the difference between time and eternity. And when correction is completed, time is eternity. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Fran. 28. Mistakes are for correction, and they call for nothing else. 
What calls for punishment must call for nothing. Every mistake must be a call for love. What then is sin? What could it be but a mistake you would keep hidden, a call for help that you would keep unheard and thus unanswered? In time, the Holy Spirit clearly sees the Son of God can make mistakes, unless you share his vision. Yet you do not share his recognition of the difference between time and eternity. And when correction is completed, time is eternity. 29. Time is like a downward spiral which seems to travel down from a long, unbroken line along another plane by which in no way breaks the line or interferes with its smooth continuous. Along the spiral, it seems as if the line must have been broken, yet at the line, its wholeness is apparent. Everything seen from the spiral is misperceived, but as you approach the line, you realize that it was not affected by the drop into another plane at all. Yet from the plane, the line seems discontinuous, and this is but an error in perception which can be easily corrected in the mind, although the body's eyes will see no change. The eyes see many things the mind corrects, and you respond, not to the eye's illusion, but to the mind's corrections. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. Twenty-nine. Time is like a downward spiral which seems to travel down from a long, unbroken line along another plane but which in no way breaks the line or interferes with its smooth continuousness. Along the spiral, it seems as if the line must have been broken, yet at the line, its wholeness is apparent. Everything seen from the spiral is misperceived, but as you approach the line, you realize that it was not affected by the drop into another plane at all. Yet from the plane, the line seems discontinuous. And this is but an error in perception, which can be easily corrected in the mind. Although the body's eyes will see no change, the eyes see many things the mind corrects, and you respond, not to the eye's illusions, but to the mind's corrections. 30 is broken the line looks different yet in your mind is a one who knows it is unbroken and forever changeless this one can teach you how to look on time differently and see beyond it but not while you believe in sin in error yes for this can be corrected by the mind but sin is the belief that your perception is unchangeable and that the mind must accept as true what it is told through it. If it does not obey, the mind is judged insane. The only power which could change perception is thus kept impotent, held to the body by the fear of changed perception, which its teacher, who is one with it, would bring. Thank you, Robin Marie. 
Atlanta. Okay, I'm 30. You see the line as broken, and as you shift to different aspects of the spiral, the line looks different. Yet in your mind is one who knows it is unbroken and forever changeless. This one can teach you how to look on time differently and see beyond it, but not while you believe in sin, in error, yes, for this can be corrected by the mind. But sin is the belief that your perception is unchangeable and that the mind must accept as true what it is told through it. If it does not obey, the mind is judged insane. The only power which could change perception is thus kept impotent, held to the body by the fear of changed perception which its teacher, who is one with it, would bring. 31. When you are tempted to believe that sin is real, remember that if sin is real, both God and you are not. If creation is extension, the creator must have extended himself, and it is impossible that what is part of him is totally unlike the rest. If sin is real, God must be at war with himself. He must be split and torn between good and evil, partly sane and partly insane, for he must have created what wills to destroy him and has the power to do so. Is it not easier to believe that you have been mistaken? I'm sorry, let me read that again. Is it not easier to believe that you have been mistaken than to believe in this. Thank you, Anna. And Jessica. Thanks, Lori. Um, 31. When you are tempted to believe that sin is real, remember this. If sin is real, both God and you are not. If creation is extension, the creator must have extended himself, and it is impossible that what is part of him is totally unlike the rest. If sin is real, God must be at war with himself. He must be split and torn between good and evil partly sane and partly insane. For he must have created what wills to destroy him and has the power to do so. Is it not easier to believe that you have been mistaken than to believe in this? 32. While you believe that your reality or your brother's is bounded by a body, you will believe in sin. While you believe that bodies can unite, you will find guilt attractive 
and believe that sin is precious. For the belief that bodies limit mind leads to a perception of the world in which the proof of separation seems to be everywhere. And God and his creation seem to be split apart and overthrown. For sin would prove what God created holy could not prevail against it, nor remain itself before the power of sin. Sin is perceived as mightier than God, before which God himself must bow and offer his creation to its conqueror. Is this humility or madness? Thank you, Jessica. And Micah. Okay. Um, 32. While you believe that your reality or your brother's is bound by a body, you will believe in sin. While you believe that bodies can unite, you will find guilt attractive and believe that sin is precious. For the belief that bodies limit mind leads to a perception of the world in which the proof of separation seems to be everywhere. And God and his creation seem to be split apart and overthrown. For sin would prove what God created holy could not prevail against it nor remain itself before the power of sin. Sin is perceived as mightier than God before which God himself must bow and offer his creation to its conqueror. Is this humility or madness? 33. If sin were real, it would forever be beyond the hope of healing, for there would be a power beyond God's capable of making another will which could attack his will and overcome it and give his son a will apart from his and stronger. And each part of God's fragmented creation would have a different will opposed to his and in eternal opposition to him and to each other. Your holy relationship has as its purpose now the goal of proving this is impossible. Heaven has smiled upon it and the belief in sin has been uprooted in its smile of love. You see it still because you do not realize that its foundation has gone. Its source has been removed and so it can be cherished but a little while before it vanishes. Only the habit of looking for it still remains. Thank you, Micah. And is there another new reader for 33 and 34? New reader, please, for 33. Thanks, Ida. You're welcome. 33. If sin were real, it would be forever beyond the hope of healing. 
for there would be a power beyond God's capable of making another will which could attack his will and overcome it and give his son a will apart from his and stronger. And each part of God's fragmented creation would have a different will, opposed to his and in eternal opposition to him and to each other. Your holy relationship has as its purpose now the goal of proving this is impossible. Heaven has smiled upon it, and the belief in sin has been uprooted in its smile of love. You see it still because you do not realize that its foundation has gone. Its source has been removed, and so it can be cherished but a little while before it vanishes. Only the habit of looking for it still remains. 34. And yet you look with heaven's smile upon your lips and heaven's blessing on your sight. You will not see it long, for in the new perception, the mind corrects it when it seems to be seen and it becomes invisible. And errors are quickly recognized and quickly given to correction to be healed, not hidden. You will be healed of sin and all its ravages the instant that you give it no power over each other. And you will help each other overcome mistakes by joyously releasing one another from the belief in sin. Thanks. Thank you, Ida. And is there another new reader for 34 and 35? I bet. I can do it, Lori. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Judy. 34. And yet you look with heaven's smile upon your lips and heaven's blessing on your sight. You will not see it long, for in the new perception the mind corrects it when it seems to be seen, and it becomes invisible. And errors are quickly recognized and quickly given to correction to be healed, not hidden. You will be healed of sin and all its ravages the instant that you give it no power over each other. And you will help each other overcome mistakes by joyously releasing one another from the belief in sin. In the holy instant, you will see the smile of heaven shining on both of you, and you will shine upon each other in glad acknowledgement of the grace that has been given you. For sin will not prevail against a union heaven has smiled upon. Your perception was healed in the holy instant heaven gave you. Forget what you have seen and raise your eyes to, or in faith to what you now can see. The barriers to heaven will disappear before your holy sight. For you who were sightless have been given vision, and you can see. Look not for what has been removed, but for the glory uh, Judy? that has... Yes. Uh, that paragraph ended for restored for you can see. Um, okay, that's for 
Okay. <laughs> okay, sweetie. I know, I know. I know. I'm finished. <laughs> the end. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, dear. And is there another new reader then for 35 and 36? I can read. Uh, this is Reverend Regia Joy. Oh, thank you, Reverend Regia. Okay. Did someone else? Well, maybe after me. <laughs> uh, 35. In the holy instant, you will see the smile of heaven shining on both of you. And you will shine upon each other in glad acknowledgement of the grace that has been given you. For sin will not prevail against a union heaven has smiled upon. Your perception was healed in the holy instant heaven gave you. Forget what you have seen. Raise your eyes and faith to what you now can see. The barriers to heaven will disappear before your holy sight. For you who were sightless have been given vision, and you can see. Look not for what has been removed, but for the glory that has been restored for you to see. Uh, 36. Look upon your Redeemer and behold what he would show you in each other. And let not sin arise again to blind your eyes. For sin would keep you separate. But your Redeemer would have you look upon each other as yourself. Your relationship is now a temple of healing, a place where all the weary ones can come and find rest. Here is the rest that waits for all after the journey, and it is brought nearer to all by your relationship. Thank you, Reverend Rija. And would there be another new reader for 36 and 37? Okay, Lemoyne, back to you. Okay, I'm going to back up one sentence because I've got this one at the end of 35 in the online version. And the instructions I need. <laughs> Look not for what has been removed, but for the glory that has been restored for you to see. 36, look upon your Redeemer and behold what he would show you in each other. And let not sin arise again to blind your eyes. For sin would keep you separate. But your Redeemer would have you look upon each other as yourself. Your relationship is now a temple of healing. A place where all the weary ones can come and find rest. Here is the rest that waits for all after the journey, and it is brought nearer to all by your relationship. As this peace extends from deep inside yourself to embrace all the sonship and give it rest, it will encounter many obstacles. Some of them you will try to impose. Others will seem to arise from elsewhere from your brothers, and from various aspects of the world outside. Yet peace will gently cover them, extending past completely unhindered. 
the extension of the Holy Spirit's purpose from your relationship to others to bring them gently in has already begun. This is the way in which he will bring means and goal in line. The peace he laid deep within both of you will quietly extend to every aspect of your lives, surrounding both of you with glowing happiness and the calm awareness of complete protection. And you will carry its message of love and safety and freedom to everyone who draws nigh unto your temple where healing waits for him. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Lee. As this peace extends from deep inside yourselves to embrace all the sonship and give it rest, it will encounter many obstacles. Some of them you will try to impose. Others will seem to arise from elsewhere, from your brothers and from various aspects of the world outside. Yet peace will gently cover them, extending past completely unhindered. The extension of the Holy Spirit's purpose from your relationship to others to bring them gently in has already begun. This is the way in which he will bring means and goal in line. The peace he laid deep within both of you will quietly extend to every aspect of your lives, surrounding both of you with glowing happiness and the calm awareness of complete protection. And you will carry its message of love and safety and freedom to everyone who draws nigh unto your temple, where healing waits for him. 38. You will not wait to give him this, for you will call to him and he will answer you, recognizing in your call the call of God, and you will draw him in and give him rest, as it was given you. All this will you do. Yet the peace which already lies deeply within must first expand and flow across the obstacles you place before it. This will you do, for nothing undertaken with Holy Spirit remains unfinished. You can indeed be sure of nothing you see outside you, but of this you can be sure. The Holy Spirit asks that you offer him a resting place where you will rest in him. He answered you and entered your relationship. Would you not now return his graciousness and enter into a relationship with him? For it is he who offered your relationship the gift of holiness without which it would have been forever impossible to appreciate each other. Thank you, Lee. And Yvonne. <clears throat> Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Lee. You will not wait to give him this, for you will call to him and he will answer you, recognizing in your call the call of God. 
and you will draw him in and give him rest, as it was given you. All this will you do. Yet the peace, which already lies deeply within, must first expand and flow across the obstacles that you place before it. This will you do. For nothing undertaken with the Holy Spirit remains unfinished. You can indeed be sure of nothing you see outside you, but of this you can be sure. The Holy Spirit asks that you offer him a resting place where you will rest in him. He answered you and entered your relationship. Would you not now return his graciousness and enter into a relationship with him? For it is he who offered your relationship the gift of holiness, without which it would have been forever impossible to appreciate each other. 39. The gratitude you owe to him, he asks, but that you receive for him. And when you look with gentle graciousness upon each other, you are beholding him. For you are looking where he is, and not apart from him. You cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can see your brothers truly. And in the light in them will, sh- and the light in them will show you all that you need to see. When the peace in you has been extended to encompass everyone, the Holy Spirit's function here will be accomplished. What need is there for seeing then? When God has taken the last step himself, the Holy Spirit will gather all your thanks and gratitude which you have offered him and lay them gently before his creator in the name of his most holy son. (laughs) And the Father will accept them in his name. What need is there of seeing in the presence of his gratitude? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne and Fran. 39. The gratitude you owe to him, he asks but that you receive for him. And when you look with gentle graciousness upon each other, you are beholding him. For you are looking where he is and not apart from him. You cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can see your brothers truly. And the light in them will show you all that you need to see. When the peace in you has been extended to encompass everyone, the Holy Spirit's function here will be accomplished. What need is there for seeing them? When God has taken the last step himself, the Holy Spirit will gather all your thanks and gratitude which you have offered him and lay them gently before his creator in the name of his most holy son. And the Father will accept them in his name. What need is there of seeing in the presence of his gratitude. Amen. Oh, what a beautiful reading. Thank you, everyone who read, and everyone who listened, and everyone who will listen to this beautiful section of the unreality of sin. Um, A summary could not do it justice, but a few things. Uh, seem worthy of highlight from 25. Sin is an idea 
of evil that cannot be corrected and will be forever desirable. 26. The ego does not think it possible that love, not fear, is really called upon by sin and always answers. And from 27, the Holy Spirit cannot punish sin. Mistakes he recognizes and would correct them all as God entrusted him to do. But sin he knows not. Nor can he recognize mistakes which cannot be corrected. For a mistake which cannot be corrected is meaningless to him. 28. Mistakes are for correction. And they call for nothing else. Every mistake must be a call for love. What then is sin? What could it be but a mistake you would keep hidden, a call for help that you would keep unheard and thus unanswered? The Holy Spirit's task is correction, and when it is completed, time is eternity. And from 29, errors in perception can be easily corrected in the mind, although the body's eyes will see no change. The eyes see many things, the mind corrects, and you respond not to the eye's illusions, but to the mind's corrections. And 30, in your mind, in your mind, is one who knows that time is unbroken and forever changeless. This one can teach you how to look on time differently and see beyond it but not while you believe in sin. The only power which could change perception is kept imprinted by the belief in sin, held to the body by the fear of changed perception which its teacher, who is one with it, would bring. So in 31, when you are tempted to believe that sin is real, remember this. If sin is real, both God and you are not. If creation is extension, the Creator must have extended Himself, and it is impossible that what is part of Him is totally unlike the rest. It is easier to believe that you have been mistaken than to believe that God is at war with Himself. In 32, the belief that bodies limit mind leads to a perception of the world in which proof of separation seems to be everywhere. In 33, if sin were real, it would be forever beyond the hope of healing. Your holy relationship has as its purpose now the goal of proving that healing is possible. Heaven has smiled upon it, and the belief in sin has been uprooted in its smile of love. Sin's foundation has gone. Only the habit of looking for sin still remains. 34. You will not see it long, for in the new perception, errors are quickly recognized and given to correction to be healed, not hidden. You will be healed of sin in all its ravages, the instant that you give it no power over each other. And you will help each other overcome mistakes by joyously releasing one another from the belief in sin. In 35, in the holy instant, you will see the smile of heaven shining on both of you. And you will shine upon each other 
in glad acknowledgement of the grace that has been given you. Look not for what has been removed, but for the glory that has been restored for you to see. Look upon your Redeemer and behold what he would show you in each other. Your Redeemer would have you look upon each other as yourself. Your relationship is now a temple of healing, a place where all the weary ones can come and find rest. Here's the rest that waits for all after the journey, and it is brought nearer to all by your relationship in 37, the extension of the Holy Spirit's purpose from your relationship to others. Whoops. The extension of the Holy Spirit's purpose from your relationship to others to bring them gently in has already begun. This is the way in which he will bring means and goal in line. The peace he laid deep within both of you will quietly extend to every aspect of your lives, surrounding both of you with glowing happiness and the calm awareness of complete protection. And you will carry his message of love and safety and freedom to everyone who draws nigh into your temple where healing waits for him. In 38, yet the peace which already lies deep within must first expand and flow across the obstacles you place before it. This will you do, for nothing undertaken with the Holy Spirit remains unfinished. The Holy Spirit asks that you offer him a resting place where you will rest in him. He answered you and entered your relationship. Would you not now return his graciousness and enter into a relationship with him? For it is he who offered your relationship the gift of holiness, without which it would have been forever impossible to appreciate each other. When you look with gentle graciousness upon each other, you are beholding him, for you are looking where he is and not apart from him. You cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can see your brothers truly. And the light in them will show you all that you need to see. When the peace in you has been extended to encompass everyone, the Holy Spirit's function here will be accomplished. What need is there of seeing in the presence of the gratitude of our Father? Amen. And I do thank you all. And we're so glad to have Fran back with us today uh, in person <laughs> to offer our reflection on our lesson this morning. So take it away, my friend. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in Review 6, last part of the first section of the workbook. And today's lesson is Lesson 215, Love is the Way I Walk in Gratitude. And I'm going to read some from the original lesson, Lesson 195. So here goes. Lesson 195, Love is the Way I Walk in Gratitude. Gratitude is a lesson hard to learn for those who look upon the world amiss. The most that they can do is see themselves as better off than others. And they try to be content because another seems to suffer more than they. A pitiful and depreciating are such thoughts for who has cause for thanks while others have less cause and who could suffer less because he sees 
another suffer more. Your gratitude is due to him alone who made all cause of sorrow disappear throughout the world. It is insane to offer thanks because of suffering, but it is equally insane to fail in gratitude to one who offers you the certain means whereby all pain is healed and suffering replaced with laughter and with happiness. Your brother is your, quote, enemy, because you see in him the rival for your peace. Now is vengeance all there is to wish for. You do not offer God your gratitude because your brother is more slave than you, nor could you sanely be enraged if he seems freer. Love makes no comparisons, and gratitude can only be sincere if it is joined to love. Therefore, give thanks, but in sincerity, and let your gratitude make room for all who will escape with you. That we thank our Father for one thing alone, that we are separate from no living thing, and therefore one with him. We give thanks for every living thing, for otherwise we offer thanks for nothing, and we fail to recognize the gifts of God to us. Walk then in gratitude, the way of love, for hatred is forgotten when we lay comparisons aside. When your forgiveness is complete, you will have total gratitude. Today we learn to think of gratitude in place of anger, malice, and revenge. We have been given everything. God has cared for us and called us son. Can there be more than this? Our gratitude will pave the way to him and shorten our learning time by more than you could ever dream of. Gratitude goes hand in hand with love. And where one is, the other must be found. God gives thanks to you, his son, for being what you are, his own completion and the source of love along with him. Your gratitude to him is one with his to you. For love can walk no road except the way of gratitude. And must we go who walk the way to God. Now we'll go over to Lesson 215. Lesson 215. I am not a body. I am free. I am still as God created me. Love is the way I walk in gratitude. The Holy Spirit is my only guide. He walks with me in love, and I give thanks to him for showing me the way to go. I am not a body. I am free, for I am still as God created me. We'll take a moment and reflect on this.
Lesson 215. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. Love is the way I walk in gratitude. The Holy Spirit is my only guide. He walks with me in love. And I give thanks to him for showing me the way to go. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. Amen. Beautiful. That was beautiful. Amen. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Fran. That was lovely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I love when he tells us and reminds us the Holy Spirit is our only guide. Wow, I love that. I'm going to remember that all day. Thanks, guys. Terrific, Fran. Thank you. Thank you, Fran. This is Jessica, and uh, I probably wouldn't be saying this except for the silence thing, which kind of just prompted me to speak that that section about we give thanks for every living thing. Um, we give. We give thanks for every living thing, for otherwise we offer thanks for nothing, and we fail to recognize the gifts of God to us. And I just started thinking of all the living things that I normally don't give thanks for, like rats and fleas and bed bugs and the curls. And although that, you know, has been around long enough to kind of uh, engender some appreciation just because of contemplating it. But, um, you know, coyotes that could potentially attack my cat or or anything that I have in the past perceived as a threat because, of course, we know in, if I defend myself, I am attacked. And so, in truth, I am safe. And all of those things, and I could think of more, um, shark, I'm about to go on vacation and go to the beach in Cape Cod and, you know, there's always 
talk about sharks and people have apps telling you how close they are and stuff like that. Um, and I want to give thanks for those sharks um, and give thanks for the mosquitoes and the green flies because otherwise we offer thanks for nothing. We fail to recognize the gifts of God's love. Thank you, I'm complete. Life's a package deal. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. This is Ida. Good morning, everybody. Um, This is quite a section because, Jessica, the part that you quoted from from this section is, and I was following along with the reading of the whole entire section, and I don't remember that part of the section. I'm sure it's there, and I didn't, somehow I didn't, see it you know and there was another section that I didn't see too but but anyway um, <laughs> it just shows you how how great is the power of, of perception of what you want to see you will see what for any reason you don't want to see you will not see even if, if it is definitely there um, but anyway um, well, but what I looked at in the, uh, this section um, is um, um, the Holy the yeah, in the beginning of 26, the ego does not think it possible that love, not fear, is really called upon by sin and always answers. Um, and at first, when I saw that, when it was, that was read, I thought, oh, wait a minute. Um, but I, I, I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. But then it came to me, oh, of course. Of course, um, even if I don't see it because I'm coming from my ego, um, um, that love is called upon by sin and not fear. Because... Um, it's but the Holy Spirit is like the love of God, and the Holy Spirit answers everything that happens with love. It's like the Holy Spirit is like the part of okay, like God doesn't see sin, God doesn't forgive because God never condemns, right? Um, but God made God created the Holy Spirit. To um, to see like like what's going on, what's happening in the realm in which things are happening in this time and space that we that we made, and um, so the Holy Spirit um, responds to everything that happens. So it all, but the Holy Spirit only responds with love. Thanks. I'm complete. Nicely said. Thanks, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Good morning, everyone. It's Lana, and um, uh, another powerful section, another powerful lesson, uh, and uh, they do come together for me, and and it 
just harkens back to that truth that um, if I just keep in my mind, in my heart, the fact, the truth that everything is love or call for love, even sin, even mosquitoes, you know, <laughs> um, or bed bugs, even more frightening thought. <laughs> but everything is, um, everything that lives shares the purpose of the universe, uh, contains that spirit of God and creation within it. So um, when I remember that, that um, when something comes up where my ego thought system would define it or point to it as a sin, if I hold it as being a call for love, it 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 just for me it just neutralizes it. It just takes that sting out of it, and whether it's I'm call making an eternal call for love, or I see a brother calling through love, calling for love through a demonstration of anger or fear. Um, it's all love all the time. And and uh, Jesus reminded me recently, you know, I guess in the last few months or so, that, um, you know, the bravest thing I ever do is to respond to fear with love. Um, and because in that instant, you know, I'm, I'm identifying with my Holy Spirit, which is is just my own right-mindedness. It's my higher self. It's the part of my mind that never left God. It's still connected to its power. And um, I can see innocence in everything when I'm aligned with that part of my mind. And when I'm stuck in an ego mentality, then the way to access it is obviously forgiveness. And that will take me there if if I'm um, under the influence of the ego mind. So um, I'm just going to keep in my mind today that no matter what shows up, it's either love or call for love. And in either case, it's innocent. And no one's guilty, including myself. It's um, It's either correct perception or wrong-mindedness, wrong-minded perception. So, um, but it's all love. It's all love. Some of it hiding in plain sight. Uh, so, anyhow, another powerful day of learning for me. So, thank you for listening. I'm complete. Thank you so much, Lana. Thank you, Lana. That was wonderful. Thank you, bye. Thank you, Lana. That was great. Thank you, Lana. Thank you for your shares. They were great. Good morning, this is Sandra. And I really appreciated your share, Lana, because you brought it back to neutrality and the importance of neutrality. Because sometimes I can't force myself to be grateful. But I can be neutral by doing exactly what you did over and knowing, well, for me, it's knowing that all things are from 
And so even though I may not appreciate, be grateful in the moment, I can know the fact that all things are from my highest and best. And everything works together for the highest and best, including the sharks, including the fleas, including all of that. Because I don't know necessarily what the part that they're playing in my life is. I may not understand that, but I can be neutral. And when I can be neutral, I can accept. And um, it's just so important. And and not to beat myself up if I can't, you know, if I can't get to the point of gratitude, if I can't get to the point of forgiveness, it's okay. Because I got the Holy Spirit. And my Holy Spirit, my higher mind, if I turn it over to my higher mind, will heal all of it. Maybe not in my timing, but I have faith and trust in how this works, in God's plan for salvation, and God gave me the Holy Spirit. That was no accident. (laughs) And God said, you don't have to fix this. Your mind can't fix this. But give it to my mind, which is my higher mind, which is the mind of God, and it'll it's done. It's 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 the most relaxed honest to God, I am more relaxed, even though I got stuff, I got circumstances, but I'm more relaxed now than I have ever been in my whole life. Just because of this book. I'm complete. Wonderful, Sandra. Thank you. you. Oh, that was so lovely, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. I get that. Good morning, everyone. It's Lee. We have a wonderful paragraph in our edition of this course that had been clipped from the edition printed the first quarter century. It's at paragraph 29. That is his description of the sentence that came before. The sentence that came before is, when correction is completed, time is eternity. You could say as well, when completion, when correction is completed, time is timelessness. It seems to imply especially in the context of the paragraph that follows, that's been restored to our edition from her notes and was, in my opinion, um, mistakenly omitted in the initial publication of this court. In the context of the paragraph that follows, I think we have one unmuted line. Um... In the context of the paragraph that follows, the idea is that my normal sense of time imposes onto what I could come to directly experience as timelessness or a fullness of the present moment that um, overtakes my prior sense of time has mostly comprised of my experience of the past and my concern about the future. With those two aspects of time completely 
overlooking the present moment. And he's suggesting I have access to a, to a fullness of the present moment that completely eliminates my relationship that I had with the past and my concern for the future. That it drops in so deeply to, um, I'll just use the word fullness, to a fullness of my experience of the present and a resting in that fullness that heals my relationship with the past and my relationship with the future. When he moves into chapter, into paragraph 29 and describes time as like a downward spiral, having spent a lot of time with that paragraph, I can only say that it's much easier to understand if I go to the second half of that paragraph and apply the second half of the paragraph to the fullest understanding of the first half. The second half of that paragraph that begins time is like a downward spiral tells me that this normal relationship I have with time is but an error in perception which can easily be corrected in the mind, although the body's eyes will see no change. That's really important. I'm not taken anywhere else. I'm not, I'm not flashed out of time. Everything appears the same. But I'm told the eyes see many things. The mind corrects. And you respond not to the eyes' illusions, but to the mind's corrections. It's responding now to the mind's corrections for what it had misunderstood about what the body sees that lifts me out of normal perception into corrected perception and as well out of a normal sense of time into an understanding of what he explains across that first part of this paragraph, which would take another uh, bit of time to really move into. That's something we might look at doing in the aftercall. But what it features for me is that in this correction that he offers me for how I relate to time, what will stand out is that its wholeness is apparent that its wholeness is apparent, that what I'm delivered into with this experience of the timelessness of a genuinely holy instant or present moment is that I'm completely overtaken by the blessing that the experience of a wholeness offers me. And I can begin to recognize everything I suffered by with some part of my mind having to hash through an experience of time and of this life without access to that wholeness. That in the absence of that experience of wholeness, everything is shuffled and discontinuous. Discontinuous 
and unrelated, chaotic. And all my experience of discontinuity or lack of wholeness is a call to the ego to rush forward to try and establish some order of what the ego itself has led me to think is disordered and in need of its attention. It's a wonderful thing. There's, all, there's a kind of a, an organic um, um, inclusiveness to what I'm delivered to that just heals everything from the inside out. That's what he describes to me. There was, um, there was a paragraph that appears in chapter 26 in this regard that it occurred to me to share with you guys because there's so much encapsulated within a single paragraph that helps me understand what it is to see unity and be delivered to an experience of timelessness. Um, this is paragraph 56 within chapter 26 in a section entitled Review of Principles, section 8 of chapter 26. He says, salvation perfect and complete asks but a little wish that what is true be true. A little willingness to overlook what's not there. A little sigh that speaks for heaven as a preference to this world, which death and desolation seem to rule. In joyous answer, will creation rise within you to replace the world you see with heaven, wholly perfect and complete. What is forgiveness but a willingness that truth be true? What can remain unhealed and broken from a unity which holds all things within itself? There is no sin, and every miracle is possible the instant that the Son of God perceives his wishes and the will of God are one. That was paragraph 56 of chapter 26. My notes on this section from some year before, maybe bear uh, repeating here at several sentences, any notion that time itself is contrary to timelessness or eternity was only a mistaken formulation and my misperception about time. All that occurs unfolds in holy relationship with me. Born into time, but nurtured by eternity. And every loving thought I will ever have toward anything in my world is, I'm told, eternal. And taken together, those loving relationships I develop with all that I'll ever encounter constitute the only reality this world has ever had. There is, in my mind and heart, an access to the direct experience of all that's true. And that experience is a deliverance so great that he calls it in this course salvation. 
Jesus experienced it through this course. I'm, I'm, I'm told about and persuaded that within me is God's natural capacity for the memory of all that I forgot when I took up with the ego as the guide to what I am and what you are, what this life and world are about. That other part of my mind hasn't gone anywhere and simply awaits Holy Spirit's job of restoring to me the memory of all that I forgot, in which timelessness overtakes the ego's version of time and the fullness of wholeness is restored to my awareness. I like to feature the practicality of this course and even his descriptions of something so profound that we could think of it as revelation. And the idea that I could have a revelatory relationship with ongoing events across this world that reflect the fact that my inmost wish and God's for me are actually one, that stands as um, the point and purpose of this curriculum and the very practical gift and promise that it makes to me. Thanks, everyone. I'm complete. Well, thank you. Very beautiful. Thank you. Very important. Very important. It was the part that really... I didn't understand, and you just highlighted it all. Thank you. I look forward to our uh, further uh, speaking about that. But um, it gave me some insight. It connected with something very important. So thanks. Thanks, Lee, and everybody. Thank you, Micah. Thanks, Micah. Um, this is Ida, and I've um, been thinking for the past few days about how everyone and everything is within me. That's like the other side of me that doesn't see anybody or anything as separate from myself. I mean, it's one thing to say that that's true. It's another thing to actually perceive it in my lived experience, right? So, um, whoa, I just felt the energy and power of that idea just now. Um, Jesus thanks all of us for, um, for studying this every day. Um, so, I thought that you know, it, even though I've talked for years about how time is a spiral, when I got to that place in this section, which I didn't, was another place that I didn't know was there, um, even though we studied that for years, um, I felt like I couldn't understand it until I realized that I don't have to understand it with my ego just like you 
are all within me and everything in the universe is within me, that idea about time versus timelessness or eternity is within me too. And I can express it with me as who I really am, as spirit. I don't have to understand it with the ego. And I don't think I'll ever really understand it with the ego because the ego was not made to understand the truth, right? It was made to um, perceive um, what is not truth. (laughs) I don't know another good word for that right now. Um, Thanks so much. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you so much, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Um, this is Jessica, and I just briefly want to say that there there are times when people are talking, and my head starts nodding, and my vocal cords make the sound, mm-hmm, like, yeah, that's right. And I don't know if it's the ego mind or what thought system it is, saying, like, what are you, why are you nodding? And saying, mm-hmm, what do you know about it? <laughs> Obviously. I know something about it, or I wouldn't be, uh, you know, some, some, you know, Holy Spirit in me, my higher self knows it to be true. Sometimes I'm very, uh, very aware that, yes, I know that to be true. And other times I'm surprised by my own reactions, like there's someone else here who, who knows more than I do. I'm complete. Oh, that was great, yes. I experience that too. It's it's like for me, I call it like a moment of recognition. It was always there, and it wasn't a thinking pro- process at all. It it was some someone will say something, or I'll be shown something, or I'll read something, and all of a sudden there's this recognition. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh huh. Uh huh. Nodding the head. <laughs> It's more, it's it's not based on the intellect as much as an inner knowing and awareness that, yep, 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 that's true. <laughs> I'm complete. Thanks for sharing that. Mm. Thanks, Lana. Good morning. It's Mindy. Hi, everybody. It's been a while. <laughs> um, I, I was, um, I woke up this morning overwhelmed with, so many urgent matters needing to be taken care of financially, physically with self, with cats, with raccoons and cats in the house, and just, oh, my God. And as Lee was speaking, I allowed myself just to hear the energy and be with the words. And I did two affirmations. And what I love is that it really relates to paragraph 35. Let me tell you the two affirmations I did. Um... I handle all of my experiences with wisdom, love, and ease. This is the, and then the other one is past experiences. I hold all of my experiences in forgiveness, love, and peace. The sun came out, my heart opened, I relaxed, and I thought, all these people I need to talk to, some of which are not responding, I'm feeling like I'm separate, I'm abandoned. Oh, this is not the truth at all. We are all joined together in love. And I trust my brothers who are one with me. And 
35, I'd like to read you part of it. In the holy instant, and I had a holy instant. In the holy instant, you will see the smile of heaven shining on both of you. I was thinking of the people who weren't responding to a financial need. And you will shine upon each other in glad acknowledgement of the grace that has been given you. For sin will not prevail against a union heaven has smiled upon. Your perception was healed in the holy instant heaven gave you. Forget what you have seen and raise your eyes in faith to what you now can see. The barriers to heaven will disappear before your holy sight for you who were sightless have been given vision and you can see. Look not for what has been removed, but for the glory that has been restored for you to see. I trust my brothers who are one with me, and I'm innocent, whole, and free. And I just want to enjoy my dinner, contacting different people, thinking about good things, enjoying my relationship, enjoying the joy of life and the love of God and sharing that with everyone. Love is the way I walk in gratitude. What a, what a turnaround that is to me. Um, instead of getting angry at my government worker for not responding to an urgent matter to get money to a utility company, how beautiful it is to just say, this is all about love and this is about letting go of the past and this is about creating faith and trust and joy with myself and this other person who's helping me. And if I can realize that everything is here for my good and surrender to the love that is underneath it all, instead of chaos and stress, which my animals have been expressing as my mirrors, I can live in love and peace and faith simply because I'm willing to have my past erase the present moment filled with love to be able to, to, to change from anger and resentment for not receiving something that I feel entitled to, to just be so grateful for what I have and knowing that, that as I acknowledge it and, and, and receive it, that more naturally happens because the order of the universe is plenty. The, the law of life in the universe is there's enough for everyone. God is unlimited and infinite and, and all-powerful. And when I come to my interactions with that consciousness, not only am I blessing myself, but I'm remembering for the person I'm talking to and bringing them out of the stress and into the holy instant. What a beautiful opportunity I have to do all these things that I thought would be challenging and a hassle, to do them in love and, and allow gratitude to come and to bring a holy instant. I'm so grateful. Oh. God turns all of our stumbling blocks into stepping stones. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. That was very nice. Thank you, Mindy. Great to hear you on the call. Yeah. Thanks, Mindy. That was really enjoyable. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. <laughs> I feel like weeping today because um, because some days um, the Holy Spirit gives me a word. And the word for today that I was given is trajectory. And so I looked it up. Trajectory is the path followed by 
Something moving under the action of given forces. Something moving. Moving under the action of given forces. The path of an object through space or the path of a life that a person chooses. Isn't that a great word? Two was I just love that word for today. And I loved it um, largely because this section um, speaks to me in the same way that the section, The Healed Relationship, uh, speaks to me. It describes, it describes a series of changes in quality of life that occur under the guidance of the Holy Spirit trajectory. And you can see it so clearly just following these paragraphs. Um, he describes it just so accurately that this belief in sin, this belief in separation of worthiness of condemnation of an opposite to holiness, this belief casts a pall on all of life's experiences, on my mind, and on all the images I see. And through this pall, through this veil, through this darkness, this belief in separation, I try to interpret my world. And in the course of it, in the course of, of following this idea, this belief, everything becomes more and more and more fragmented, more and more worthy of condemnation, more and more frightful, more and more distant from love, more and more divorced of my own reality and the reality of everything in creation. It's all down to this belief, this idea of worthiness of condemnation, this idea this idea that there is an opposite to holiness. That's all it is. Just an idea that there is an opposite. I have that belief. And while I hold it, I and all creation stand in darkness. But time. <laughs> oh, I should say, I should say that this belief uh, is held so tightly by the ego that it's unchangeable. It goes into perpetuity that it cannot be changed. It's fixed, false, and will ever be believed. And because it's believed in, it's unchangeable. And then he comes with time. Then he comes with this, this description of time in paragraph 29 that seems so mysterious seems so mysterious and yet it's an invitation I read today it's an invitation to let my mind go there and see what happens if I just ever so slightly give up that belief in sin if I ever so slightly express a willingness that there is a possibility that God is not attacked. I've not attacked God. That God sees through this pall that I've thrown over my mind. 
trajectory. The course an object follows on a path. It seems so mysterious, and yet when I look back over the course of my time here, uh, I discover there was, <laughs> well, I don't discover it, I know it for a fact, there was that wonderful moment, that wonderful moment that I came without the body for just one instant said, I don't care what happens to me, I want the truth. I don't care what happens to me because this is awful. <laughs> I don't care. And in just that one moment, that one holy instant, that one miracle, everything God gives, I received. He says, my receiving completes his giving. And on this trajectory, the giving is, is certain. And my accepting is also certain. And when I accept, I discover that this belief in sin was, was an error in my mind. I simply was mistaken when I thought I was worthy of condemnation, that life was worthy of condemnation, that I had left God, that God had left me. All that mistake in one instant was corrected. And, and when I came back to my own awareness, I heard the voice of God say, and all this was because you believed. You believe there is an opposite to God. Trajectory. Trajectory is a, is a blessed word. And, and you know what I just love in this whole reading? The one thing I love more than anything is what's begun with the Holy Spirit will not be left unfinished. It will not be left unfinished, he says. And that has echoes of what I used to, um, what I used to read <laughs> and teach from the Bible. He said, we look to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. The author and the finisher. We are people of the resurrection. Time is given up to eternity means simply timelessness, that there is no death, there is no end to this adventure, that it only gets better and better. Every single time I allow Holy Spirit to correct an error in my mind, I'm walking this path, this trajectory that ends in the Son of God as he was created. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of, our, finisher of our faith. Nothing begun with the Holy Spirit will be left unfinished. So what am I to do? Except make a resting place for Holy Spirit in my mind. And I just love that. I, I, I wrote in my, in my margin, I wrote in paragraph 38, when he says, make a, make a place for Holy Spirit. And what is that place? except that the place to which I refer my judgments. I think it's this. I refer to you, Holy Spirit, in my mind. Tell me the truth of this. Because I want truth. I don't want this fiction. I don't want what I had before. I've accepted what he's given. I cannot accept 
what I believed before. And every time I'm tempted to, I refer to his judgment. Way back in chapter 4, we're told the Holy Spirit is the sorter in my mind. If it's an error, he doesn't see it at all. If it's partly true, he purifies it. And if it is true, I experience that peace. That's the nature of this walk, this trajectory, this blessed path we walk together. It will not be left unfinished. We will know we are the Son of God and shine in His grace and see His glory everywhere and sing. And oh, how we'll sing. I'm complete. That was so beautiful, Lori. Thank you. Yes, Lori. Thank you so much. Wonderful, Lori. Thank you. Oh, you know, there's one other thing I wanted to say on this trajectory. What I've really noticed to be so wonderful, and I, I know it's referred to somewhere in this work or in Course of Love, I forget which, but on this trajectory, what becomes most remarkable are the changes in the qualities, the quality of relationship we have with creation. And I think it's in those changed qualities of relationship that most of all bring heaven to our awareness. So anyway, now I'm pretty darn complete. <laughs> And um, well, I really thank you, Lee, for, for your reference to, to chapter 26, that 56 paragraph. But I think to close the call today from chapter 18 when he talks about the passing of the dream. And he gives us this, your relationship has been uprooted from the world of shadows and its unholy purpose has been safely brought through the barriers of guilt, washed with forgiveness and set shining and firmly rooted in the world of light. From there, it calls to you to follow the course it took. Calls to you to follow the course it took. Lifted high above the darkness and gently placed before the gates of heaven. The holy instant in which you were united is but the messenger of love sent from beyond forgiveness to remind you of all that lies beyond it. Yet it is through forgiveness that it will be remembered. Forgiveness is an expression of love while we are here. And love is the way I walk in gratitude. Amen. Thank you all for just another glorious walk today. I'm so grateful. That's really Thank beautiful comments. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks nice closing. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Lori, for your everyone. On this walk. <laughs> oh, so 